Praise God. Yeah. I'm just going to sing a blessing song over you today. So just receive it. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, dwell here. Fill us with your joy overflowing. And your peace overflowing. And love overflowing in all of your glory. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, dwell here. Fill your church with joy overflowing and your peace overflowing. And love overflowing in all of your glory. Come, come, come. Amen. 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 Praise God. It's such a blessing to be. Ah, man, we haven't even started yet. But um, it's such a blessing to be here with you guys. Man, so you know, a disclaimer, I'm, I'm already weeping, but I don't say that I weep, you know. It's the ice in my heart melting and leaking out my eyeballs. But I might weep a lot today. <clears throat> I first, uh, I first came in and, um, you know, I had, my mom, my mom would try to take me to church before, you know, growing up and I would go once in a blue moon and to the different churches and, and, uh, but that, that, then she started coming to Pastor Dino's church in Park Road in Brantford. And I remember I was maybe 19 years old. And I walk in to the church, and for the first time in my life, I could sense the spirit of God. And I said, and I turned to my mom, and I said, God is here. Pastor, Pastor, do you know there, there's, there's a whole journey, it's a testimony for another time. But I ended up having these three cinematic dreams because I had a praying mom. Praise God for the praying moms. Man, where the praying moms at? <laughs> Fasting and praying for me. And I would laugh at her. I thought she was crazy because she was saying that, you know, she, she was hearing God and different things. And I said, you're hearing voices. This is a problem. But um, I had a praying mom and God got me. In my sleep, you got to sleep sometime. God can get you anywhere, you know. I get these three cinematic dreams and I knew I needed to go all in with Christ because I had experimented and I had dabbled. But with these dreams, I realized that there was a time 
where you're faced where you have to go all in if you want to get your eyes open. If you want to really see what you're being invited into, you have to go all in. And I remember I was challenged and uh, uh, to... For in the area of discipleship, I came into Pastor Dino's office, and of course, he's super busy. The church is exploding at the time, and uh, like literally bursting at the seams, standing room only. And uh, and I just came to him, and there was a there was a, a deacon or something at the church that I had in mind to ask about discipleship. And I come into Pastor Dino's office, and I said, "Can I get the contact number of this deacon?" <clears throat> Woo, because. I would, I, I was, I need discipleship. I have no idea what I'm doing. And Pastor, Pastor Dino, he, uh, he just takes a moment. And then he looks at me. So. He said, Christoph, I want to disciple you. I want to disciple you. He said, um, you know, Let's get together just once a week. We don't have a big plan or curriculum, but I, I want you to just come and hang out with me. Come, we'll go to Tim Hortons together, and you can ask me whatever's on your heart at the time. He invited me in to, to come in. We began coaching uh, Katrina's soccer team together. <laughs> he knew a lot about hockey, didn't know much about soccer at the time. We coached. We coached Katrina's soccer team together, just living life. And something happened as I got to come on the inside and see, you know, not just my favorite preacher in Pastor Dino, not just the mighty prayer warrior in Pastor Dino, but I got to see the man, Pastor Dino. And I tell you, still to this day, one of my favorite preachers that I know. But I'll tell you that who he is when he's not in the pulpit, when he's not pacing in prayer, <laughs> the man who he is just in the day-to-day -day is more impressive to me than anything. As a true man of God. And if there's anything, come on, let's, can we honor, can we honor, can we honor this man of God? Can we honor this man of God? Can we honor this man of God? It's hard to find nowadays. You can't take it for granted. We see people falling left and right. But can we honor this real man of God? The, whew. Yeah, a lot of ice melting today. Hey, praise God. <laughs> Pastor Dino, you saw something in me when I was just coming in raw from the streets and so blind when I first came into the church, I couldn't even probably see my hand in front of my face, you know. But the faithfulness of God, the faithfulness of God, the faithfulness of God, the faithfulness of God. Uh, some of you I know is... is Maybe we had a chance, we had a chance to connect uh, in the times I was here before. We had some amazing times in the Holy Spirit together. Uh, the, the couple times I've been able to be here, unfortunately because of the pandemic, this is my first time back in almost three years into my home country of Canada. I currently serve 
at one of the largest missions campuses in the world in Kona, Hawaii, where we train globally between all of our campuses. We have campuses in almost every country in the world. And we train globally annually around uh, 45,000 people and send them to the nations of the earth to preach the gospel. Now, during the pandemic, it was amazing to see again this, this uh, relentless pursuit for revival and, 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 and the preaching of the word and, and the daily devotions and, you, you know, being online and seeing logos continue to thrive and continue to grow. And again, that says so much about the DNA of this house. It says so much about what you're really made of. And again, this is something, church family, that you cannot take for granted. Because it's sad to say, but many of our other churches across the world had to close their doors never to reopen. And though people are still, you know, uh, 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 overcoming the different fears and the apprehensions, then they're, they're slowly making their way back to this house. We know that this church is not only survived, but has thrived throughout the pandemic. That the church is growing online, and we believe that this is significant. I believe this is prophetic. Canada Day, this is the first time we're having, you know, the corporate koinonia and the fellowship of the Logos House coming back together. And I just want to prophesy that there's breakthrough off of fear in the name of Jesus for the body to come back to the house of God. We thank God for what he did online. We thank God that the church is growing in the online presence. And thousands and thousands are being reached. But you cannot substitute for the fellowship in person. This scripture says, do not give up, as some of them in the habit of doing, a meeting together. So I believe, and I prophesy right now, breakthrough in the name of Jesus, off of fear. And if you're online right now, this is for you. But we had the opportunity even during the lockdown when it was, it was, whew, it was those times. And, and there was a prayer meeting. I think there was a, a fasting and prayer. And there was one session where Pastor Dino contacted me and said, hey, let's do a, a, a collaboration prayer for one of the days. So we had our campus in Kona join in. And we had, I don't know, maybe... Uh, Four or five hundred of our campus that was there in our main auditorium praying. We had you, church, on our big screen there joining us in. And uh, we were praying for Canada. We're praying for Canada. And, uh, you know, I see, I love Canada so much. I have one of the best jobs, I, I, funnest jobs I feel in the world where I get to travel the nations and share about the good news of what Jesus has done for us on the cross. But at the end of the day, you know, this is, this is where I'm from. I'm so blessed to say that I'm from Canada. And see, Canada, of course, any nation is going to have its, its, its scars, right? Any nation that is going to have its, its history with you know, uh, 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 with wounds in it. But there's also this beautiful side of Canada's heritage and history in the Lord, right? Because in, in the time of, of, of the USA being built on the backs of, the, of slaves and the transatlantic slave trade, you have in Canada a nation where all men are cre created equal, 
and you have slaves in the U.S. saying, hey, uh, we're in Egypt. And, And the Mississippi, they would refer to it as the Jordan River. And if we could cross in, out of the Jordan River and through the Underground Railroad, we could make our way to the promised land, Canada, where we could be free. Woo! They would follow the North Star. They would sing the hymns. They would read the scriptures, how God is the God of the oppressed. That he's for the slaves and the downtrodden and the brokenhearted. And they would follow the North Star. And the Quakers, you know, the Quakers were helping. You guys know about the Quakers more than just the cereal. But the Quakers, you know why they were called the Quakers? Because the Holy Ghost would come upon them. They'd get electrocuted in the fire of God. And they would shake. And they would quake. And they called them Quakers. And they would wait on the Lord and hear the voice of the Lord to leave slaves into freedom in this nation, the promised land. One of my good friends actually uh, can trace his whole family heritage to the Underground Railroad. I love this nation of Canada. But as we were praying in our collaboration prayer time together there, you know, there's a 911 call right now over our nation. We are, in, we are, we have long even left, we, for a long time, we've known that we were a post-Christian nation. But now, kind of the, f- the fruit of that departure from truth, the scripture and the gospel is starting to grow. To where we're seeing things that I could have never even imagined in my lifetime. We are in a 911 crisis over our nation. But here's the good news. The light always shines the brightest in the darkest times. And we've been crying out for revival since I was born into this kingdom thing. And if anything that my my experience in the nations has taught me, it's this. That when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Lord will raise up a standard against him. So when I hear... That there's anti-conversion therapy law. When I hear that they're removing free speech. When I hear that I could be indicted and get five years for preaching the word of God this morning. When I hear about that, you know what I hear? I hear the harvest is ripe. The harvest is ripe. Open in your Bibles with me to Luke 24 starting in verse 13. As you're going there and you find that in your Bible, Luke 24, 13, I want you to see this in your Bibles. It's a very interesting passage only found in, in Luke. And some of us might be like, well, I didn't even know that this was in here. If you have it in the, in the, uh, in the NLT, I'll be uh, reading it from the NLT. You know, it's interesting uh, with, with the <laughs> this missions assignment I remember my first time ever gathering a crowd uh, you know oftentimes it will be like Elijah versus the prophets of Baal if you remember that story right let's just gather the nation let's gather the city together and let's see which God answers by fire and whichever one does let's follow him 
So this is one of our approaches oftentimes in hard and dark places, oftentimes where the church and the bride of Christ is being oppressed, will come alongside the, ch- the local church there to do a public confrontation of the go- with the gospel. The good news. The good news is so good. It's the best news ever. But I remember my first time doing this was in India. Some of you guys know this story. First time doing this is in India. Now, the, the brother who was in charge of mobilizing for the event, just like how you have the barbecue today, we're, mobile, we're advertising on social media. We're trying to get the word out to get people to come to the venue. We had a field that was rented out, like a big cricket or soccer field or something. Um, and he comes back after one of his times of posting online, and he comes back from break, and there's all this activity on it. There's all these reposts and comments, and he's like, yes, there's traction. But what he found out was that there was a Hindu journalist who got a hold of the article and said, look at these Christians trying to come down here and preach the gospel and convert us. So there was all this hate in the comments. And one of the, you know, there's death threats on us. One of the comments was like, we're going to cut off their, we're going to cut off your heads and put it in this field. So I'm up there the first night, Pastor Dino. 40,000 people gathered in this field. (laughs) And I'm out there. And I'm preaching and I'm like, Jesus is God. And he's not just one of your other many gods, but he is God. And he is alive. He's not just a guy from the philosophy. He's not just a guy from the history books. He's not just a guy from religion. But he is God and he is alive. So blind eyes are going to be open tonight. Deaf ears are going to be open tonight. Crippled people are going to walk tonight. But the whole time, mind you, at this point in my ministry, I had not yet seen any of those miracles that I was preaching about. Not one. I had cast out a bunch of demons, you know what I mean, healed a couple sick people. But I had never seen one of those yet. But what do you do when you're in a situation and you don't know what to do? What do you do? Huh? You stand on the word of God. You stand on the word of God because I do not want my experience or my lack of experience to dictate my reality. I want my reality to be dictated by the eternal word of truth. So the whole time I'm out there, you know, blind eyes are going to be open, crippled, but real time in my mind, I was like, Lord Jesus, please do a miracle. Jesus, please. They're going to cut off my head. Jesus, please. But here's the crazy thing, family. Because Jesus actually is God, and he's not just a guy from the history books, or some dead religion, or not just one of the other 10,000, but he actually is God, he actually is alive, blind eyes were open that night, crippled people did walk, deaf ears did open, because Jesus is God, and he is alive, and his word is true. Luke 24, starting in verse 13, now this is the context here, is this is... They're coming out of just watching the one who they had hoped in, the the one who they had followed, their teacher, that they had believed to be the Messiah, the one who was going to rescue them from their oppression. And they had put all of their hope, their trust, their faith in him, and then they, they just watched him be tortured and brutalized in front of their eyes and then murdered. They have to rest because it's the, the, the Pesach, it's the, it's the Passover Sabbath. So they have to rest. And then early now, Sunday morning, they're able to make their commute back home. 
and they're heading back to the village of Emmaus. And I imagine this context, you know, after something so traumatic, so just devastating. I, I don't know if they're, they're on this walk and their eyes are kind of raw and red and puffy from how much they've been crying the last several nights. And, and the confusion and all this uh, whisperings that they're hearing about what's going on with Jesus at this point and, 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 and where his body might be. So this is the context that we come into here in Luke 24. So that same day, Two of Jesus' disciples are walking to the village of Emmaus, around seven miles from Jerusalem. As they walked, they talked about everything that had happened there the last few days. Suddenly, Jesus himself appears and begins to walk with them, but God had prevented them from recognizing him. He said, what are you discussing so intently as you walk along? They stopped short. Sadness written across their faces. And one of them, Cleopas, replied, you must be the only person in all of Jerusalem who hasn't heard about these things that have happened there the last few days. <laughs> Jesus said, well, what things? The things that happened to Jesus, the man from Nazareth. He was a powerful prophet and a mighty teacher. He did great works and, and things before God and all the people. But then our religious leaders handed him over to be condemned to death and they crucified him. We had been hoping that he was the Messiah, the one who would come and rescue Israel. But then, uh, very early this morning, some women of our group of his followers went out to the tomb, and they came back with an amazing report. They said that the body was missing, and they had seen angels who said that Jesus is alive. Some of our men went out to the tomb, and sure enough, the body was missing, just as the women had said. Jesus said to them, oh, you foolish people, is it really so hard to believe all that the prophets wrote about in the scripture? Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would suffer and die before entering his glory? Then he took them through the writings of Moses and the prophets, explaining from all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Around the time they were finishing their journey and nearing the village of Emmaus, Jesus acted as if he was going on. But they said, no, please come stay the night with us since it's getting late. So Jesus agreed, went in and sat down at the table with them. He sat at the table and he broke the bread and blessed it. And he gave it to them. Suddenly, their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And then, poof, he disappears. And they said, ah, 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 ah. Oh, 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 did our hearts not burn within us as he spoke to us along the road and explained the scriptures to us? That very hour, they were on the road back to Jerusalem. Now, this is a wild story. We got a lot going on, so I have so many questions about this situation. 
Now, this is our first thing that we need to do when we're approaching the scripture, right? Is we need to ask questions. I remember, uh, I, I didn't always think this way. Those times, those once in a blue moon times when I would come to um, um, those different churches with my mom. I remember one of the first times I was in Sunday school and, uh, and I raised my hand to ask a question. So imagine little kid Kristoff, like big afro, runny nose, okay? And I'm like, <laughs> like yes, little Kristoff, what's your question? And I'm like, um, I, I, thought that, um, I thought that Jesus is from, from the Middle East. Why does he look like he's European? And, um, <laughs> and uh, you know what they said? They said, well, okay, no more questions from you, little kid Christoph. No more questions. And right then and there, I just, I just realized, I was like, oh, this is what this is. This is what this Christianity thing is. It, it's like how when I would ask my parents, because I would like, like, how does Santa Claus come into our house? Like, we don't have a chimney, right? And they would be like, yeah, okay, you know what? Just be grateful and go to sleep, you know? <laughs> and so very early on, I had um, come to this understanding that, that maybe Christianity was just like Santa Claus or the Tooth Fairy. You kind of just believe and you try to be a good person. Maybe you, you pay your tithe and then it all just kind of works out and it's kind of this make-believe thing that makes us feel good. And, and, uh, but for adults, you know? Until I started to read the Bible for myself. And then I see in Scripture that we're actually commanded to ask questions. In Matthew 7, it says, ask and you will receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. Because Jesus is real and the Bible is congruent. So here we have this interesting situation. I got a lot of questions. First question is, if you just came straight out of being tortured, brutalized in front of everybody, right? After prophesying all these things about what was going to happen, where are you going to go straight out of being tortured and murdered? Who are you going to, who are you going to show up to? Because these, these guys here, it's super interesting. You got Cleopas and you have the other traveler. We don't even know the name. Cleopas is mentioned one other time. And we don't know if it's even the same Cleopas, right? Uh, perhaps Jesus' uncle through Mary. Mentioned one time. And, 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 and here Jesus is showing up to Cleopas and this other person we don't even know. Who are you showing up to when you're straight out of being tortured and then murdered? Where are you going to go? I know about... I know about me. First person I'm showing up is to my mom. Mom, I'm okay. Mama, I'm all right. They messed up your boy, but I'm okay. I love you. I got other stuff I got to do. Love you. Okay? I'm good. Where are you going to go? Maybe show up to your enemies, the one who messed you up, right? Show up to them and just be like, you don't even have to say nothing. Just show up. You're just like. What's up now? When you were pulling out my beard and saying, prophesy who hit you. What's up now? Maybe you go to your inner circle, right? Why is he showing up? Why is he showing up to these two unknowns? These aren't even side characters. These are like the people in the back. These are the extras. 
in the story. Why are you showing up to them? And not only that, but you see here that, you know, seven miles from Jerusalem. So the average person walks this around, around two, two and a half hour journey. That's a long time to be spending when you're straight out of death itself. Early on Sunday morning. What are you spending all this time? Other archaeologists and scholars have it actually at 17 miles, maybe making it up to where five-hour journey. This is some crucial time that he's spending with them. I don't know all the answers, and I'll leave that with you to discuss, but I don't know. Perhaps, perhaps maybe we see in Jesus that he really is leaving the 99 for the one. That he really does say, you know what, it's not about your status, your name, or your title, or if you think you're a main character or not, but my eyes are on you. I see you. Even when you feel like you might not have a name. I see you. Those are the ones that, that he's with. His VIPs. The last shall be first type of thing. I don't know. I don't know. We have to wrestle through that. I don't know. I got questions. The second question I got, though, is like, why are you hiding? <laughs> what is going on with that? And, and what does that look like to me? You know, it's like, is he coming up in disguise? Is, he, is it like a Star Wars thing where it's like, there are no droids here? But somehow God is preventing them from, you know, from recognizing there's this whole, like, disguise or this hiddenness thing happening. And he's having this conversation with them. Why is he hiding? Is it just to mess with them? Is he whole, the whole time trying not to laugh and, and just messing with his boys? Is he testing them? Is he testing them? Because they're saying that he's a prophet and a teacher and he's, you know, and, and, he's, and he's really grilling them as like a final exam? I don't know, why do you think he's, he's, he's hiding in, the, in this walk, in this journey? Again, I don't fully know, but maybe, perhaps, that he's hiding himself to reveal the authority of Scripture. As he takes them through the writings of Moses and the prophets, explaining from all the Scriptures the things concerning himself. The authority of scripture. And for our nation, Canada, see, this is where we have departed. We said we don't need the Bible in schools anymore. We don't need prayer in schools anymore. And this is where now, as a nation that we love, we have found ourselves in a, in a situation that seems very bleak. The authority of scripture. It wouldn't be the first time that Jesus demonstrated the authority of scripture. Right? If you remember, I believe it's in Mark 4 where Jesus is being tempted in the wilderness. And it's one-on-one -on -one with Lucifer. This is a battle of all times. Right? This is the most epic battle. And, and Lucifer starts, it's like, choose your weapon. How's this battle going to take place? You could use anything in all of Scripture. You know, like, maybe Jesus releases like, you know, line of Judah, go. Then Lucifer is like, seven-headed dragon, go. They could have chosen any weapon. They could have chosen lightsabers. Flying elbows and stuff. I don't know. But Lucifer already knows. He knows what's the most powerful weapon, and he makes the choice first. He uses Scripture. 
But he tries to take it out of context to manipulate it. Then what does Jesus do? He doesn't just cover his ears or he doesn't try to run away. But Jesus uses scripture. The most powerful weapon in all of creation in context. It is written. It is written. Man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of the living God. You see, for me, when I was talking to one of my friends, Dr. David Haskell, he's a professor out of Laurier. And I was, during the pandemic, I was just catching up with him and he was telling me, Christoph, it's getting worse. Because we've departed from truth. We've, we, we've known for some time that we departed from truth, but now we're starting to see the fruit of it in, in even greater uh, horrific detail. And when I would share this with, with uh, people for prayer meetings such as the one that we had, it was almost like people were having a heart, like this is not a science fiction movie. This is not a science fiction horror movie. This is real time right now in our nation. Where, where he's telling me, yes, because there, there's this confusion with this loss of, of reality and truth itself that they're teaching that you know everything is is debatable and it's crazy i feel like throughout different eras of human history we've come throughout different eras we've come throughout different times right like we were in the stone age and then we were in the bronze age we went to the iron age and fast forward you come into the industrial revolution that changes how societies and nations operate and then Fast forward, you come into the information age. And now within our cell phones in our pockets, we have access to the entire library of Congress in our pocket. Like you can access any fact or information that you want to have in the information age. But I believe that we have left the information age. And we are now in the disinformation age. And in the disinformation age, everything is debatable. We don't know. We don't even know what truth is. Everything is relative. So like the earth is round, the earth is flat. I don't know. It's debatable. Dang. Yo, no one wants to offend. See, that's some good Canadians right there. We want to be polite. There might be some flat earthers among us. We don't want to laugh. <laughs> it's debatable. The earth. And they will show you their information. They will show you their footnotes and their sources and their images of, of how the earth is flat. It's a real conversation, fam. Grown people. It's debatable. It used, boy and girl, right? It used to be like XX chromosome, XY chromosome. Boy, right? And that was like, it's like, it's debatable. It's debatable. Chromosomes, I don't know how you feel. Because this is what happens when you leave as a nation, when we leave our roots and our foundation in truth itself. What do we expect? We cannot be surprised, but it's kind of wild. It's like everything is debatable though. We, it's a real situation. The vaccine, oh, oh no, oh no. I could like stop, don't say it, don't do it. But no, it's, it's true. Think about it. We, the vaccine, 
may or may not turn you into a Ninja Turtle. It is debatable. It actually might be the secret of the ooze. We do not know. <laughs> it's wild, right? And it's not just out there. I wish it was just out there. We could say, okay, well, at least we're in here and we're good. No, it's crept. The relativism and the departure from truth has crept into the church. Where now they're able to twist and manipulate this in the disinformation age because they're like, well, does the Bible really say? Hmm, that sounds familiar. Woo. I don't, I don't even know if, you know, if the gifts are for today, if the Holy Spirit is for today. I don't know. It's debatable. Yo, they don't even say, well, I don't know hell, if hell is actually a real place, or it's just like metaphorical for suffering on the earth. We don't know. It's debatable. We don't know if the Bible is the actual infallible word of God. It, it, it's debatable. This is the war. This is what's happened for us in our nation that we love. We have to understand that we are in a time in human history and it's fall upon us as the church in Canada. You know, when I'm hearing these stories, again, when we see the departure from truth and, and, and now the, the byproduct of this is they're teaching this relativism to the kids in school and we hear this story of out west where a little girl comes home. You know, I think she's around the third grade or something. I, I, I don't know the exact uh, details right now, but... You might know the story better than me, but she comes home and says, Mommy and Daddy, I don't know. I think I might be a boy. And they say, no, baby, you're a girl. And then she go back to school. Mommy and Daddy said, uh, I'm, I'm a girl. Child services comes to the home and removes the little girl from her family and puts her in protective custody. This is, this is, out, this is not out here in some dystopian Orwellian future of what could happen. This has already happened in our nation. One of the founders of my campus in our university, Howard Momstadt, was a renowned scientist of his generation who loved the Lord. And he worked for the military, he worked for the Navy installing radar. And when he was coming to help start our campus, our, our, the co-founder turned to him in just kind of the fear of the Lord and said, is this going to be a national security crisis that you're leaving the Department of Defense to come and work for us in the, this ministry to start a Christian university rooted in truth? And you know what Dr. Momstadt turned and he said, no, there's a greater war going on. We need to raise up a generation who is able to stand for the truth. There's a greater war going on. There's a greater war going on. <clears throat> There's a war going on for the soul of our nation. There's a greater war going on. And I believe it was like a similar time in the epoch, in the transition of errors in the time of King David, who we love so much. You know, King David, you know the time, right? If you understand the time and the season for King David, he comes at the time when it's the transition from the Bronze Age to the Iron Age. So in King David's era, if you, had, if, if you had iron armor and an iron weapon, you could cut right through somebody who had bronze armor and bronze weapons. If you had that technological advantage. 
But I believe in the same way. We cannot operate anymore like we were in the previous times. We cannot operate anymore in previous times how we used to maybe just rely and, and kind of outsource our ability to handle scripture, our ability to pray, our ability to not only say, this is what I believe, but this is why I believe what I believe. When, like our disciples on the road to Emmaus, when everything is shattering around me, when the wheels have fallen off and everything around me is unraveling, I need to not know what I believe, but why I believe what I believe when it's tested, because it will be tested. He said, and we've seen it, hey, I will shake everything that can be shaken, so what cannot be shaken will remain. And that, again, that's great news for those who are rooted on the rock. Because that's when the people are going to come flocking to the church just as it's been throughout human history when the times of shaking come and they say you're different you're set apart and the fire of this trial has revealed who you really are in holding the truth Jesus and here's the thing I think for us as leaders in the body of Christ especially right now in our nation of Canada I have a fear of the Lord coming to be with you. It's not business as usual. This is not just me coming, you know, to, to another great gathering and another great time of fellowship and a barbecue. I come to you at a time when the war is not only at our doorstep, it's within our house. I come to you at a time of urgency in the hour. I come to you at a time when we're pleading for breakthrough in our nation. And I come to you, no, this is, this is true. In the military, it's indictable offense for an officer to send out troops to battle ill-equipped. We can't do business as usual anymore. Gen Z, the generation after the millennials, that's anyone who's currently ages 10 to 25. It says they have a 2% biblical literacy rate. We're in a battle for truth. You know, this started to happen in our nation around the 60s when protests were going on. And it started, you know, down south in America. I believe it was Stanford University. When protests started to happen, there was, they would chant, hey, hey, ho, ho, Western Civ has got to go. Hey, hey. And they were saying that these Judeo principles that we had gotten from the Bible were oppressive. And they wanted to cast them off. But this is what happened. That was, that was in the 60s, right? By 1980, and, and by the way, at, around the time of the 60s, teenage suicide was virtually non-existent. It was virtually a non-existent thing in North America. It just kind of was like, uh. But by the 80s, almost 400,000 adolescents were attempting suicide every year. By 87, suicide had become the second largest killer of teens after only automotive accidents. See, when we amputate our, our very roots that are holding us up as a nation, that amputation, it becomes septic. It becomes poisonous. Where we in our 
universities can teach someone how to make a good robot, but cannot even define what it means to be a good person. In our postmodern, post-Christian universities here in our nation, we can teach someone how to travel to Mars, but we can't even teach them how to live in their own home. And now we see this whole thing of the overturning of Roe v. Wade, which on one hand it's a huge moral victory for North America, right? That this blemish and this stain as a collective has been removed. But did you know the actual logo for the pro-abortion movement, what the logo, the original logo back in the day was for them when it first started? Anybody? The logo for the pro-abortion movement. Their logo was the, the, the red circle with the X going through it, and behind it was a coat hanger. That was their logo. Can you guess why? It's because they were saying, we no longer want to use coat hangers to kill our babies. We want to do it in a sanitized clinical environment. Because, you see, what we're really battling is the sickness of sin, which is in the human heart. That's why you had at the time of uh, 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 when George Bush was around and you had in Brazil one of the most stringent anti-abortion laws, but one of the highest abortion rates. Because the sickness is within the soul. The people will find a way to express that sickness. Whether it's legislated by the government or not. We cannot remove our responsibility of the church to preach the gospel and to pray and to know and handle the word of God in truth. We cannot, we cannot third party that responsibility and think that if we get the right government, we get the right leader. Like it, the, 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 the onus has fallen at our feet at this hour. Now, many of us saw, uh, as if 2020 couldn't have gotten any worse, <laughs> but many of us saw wh where uh, George Floyd was killed, right? We saw that video. That's a, that's a testimony and that's a story for another time, Lord willing. But I was able to go and help lead a team of my friends into ground zero in Minneapolis while the buildings were still smoldering. Right at the intersection in, this, the, in front of the Cup Foods where George Floyd was killed. And we come into a scene where there's thousands of people gathering. And to me, again, this wasn't like the other places where I might go, like, you know, Myanmar or Pakistan or, you know, Zamb these other uh, places that I go that are, that are war-torn. But this, this one hit different because this was a family thing. And I'm broken. And I'm a mess. And I'm weeping. It's kind of an interesting scene, right, because at this time you have thousands of people. You have thousands of people from all over, and they're gathering, and it's a place of pain. It's a place of suffering, and kind of like our, our, our two travelers in this story. It's a place of heartbrokenness and dejection and despondency. And different, you have like multiple different sound systems and they're all offering different solutions to the problem of pain. You have one group over here that's saying, no, they're literally playing club music. 
And they're getting high and they're getting drunk and they're trying to drown away their pain. And, and barbecuing is, and then you have another group over here that's like militant. And they're saying, you know, defund the police. Let's like, no, if, if we burn, you burn. Like Hunger Games, you know. You have another group over here saying, like, if we get the right political, if we get the right politician, sign this petition. You have another group over here burning incense to the ancestors for help. And in the midst of that, and, and, and here's the question, right? Like, what is the solution to the problem of pain? And you look at, you look at something like that. You look at someone who's willing to maybe kill somebody else. You have to call it for what it is. If you misdiagnose the sickness, you can never get the healing. So calling it for what it is, you have to call it for what it is. It's evil. And what can solve the problem of evil? Can the right politician solve the problem of evil within the human soul? Can the right, if we get the right funding, can that solve the problem of evil within the human soul? If we have the right program, we've tried all these things. And we keep having to watch that same movie over and over again with different people in it. You have to call it for what it is. It's evil. And the only thing that can solve the problem of evil, listen, we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and are needed a savior. The only thing that can solve the problem of evil is that exchange that happened on the cross where he took our sin and gave us forgiveness. What else can solve the problem of evil within the human soul, though? I remember leaving that, and this is so tough, right? Like, in the disinformation age, everything that you say can and will be used against you in the court of public opinion and on the interwebs. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? It's crazy. The, this, it, the disinformation age is it's a wild west. Cancel culture is out there. It's like not only is it could it cause offense, but you could get indicted. So mad respect to Pastor Dino, Pastor Natty, the entire team over here that's trying to, to preach the gospel and navigate these wild times in the nation of Canada. It's literally like you guys are, are walking through a minefield. And you're making it look good as you're doing it. You're literally out here dancing through the, through the minefield like, yeah, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Are they crip walking? What's going on? What, what's this? Making it look good as you do it. I remember Fox News picked up this, this happening, right? Because again, as the gospel goes forth, what happens? People all over there start dropping to their knees, weeping, giving their lives to the Lord. There's this one guy in the military, deaf in his one ear for seven years, his deaf ear pops open. Guys start getting saved. Even guys that were, were just weeping, saying, I'm, I'm a slave. I'm a slave. I'm out here, I'm, you know, involved in human trafficking of women. I'm selling drugs, and I feel like God can never forgive me. But I feel the love of God, giving their lives to God and getting baptized with their clothes. We found a bucket of water somewhere. We start baptizing people. It's incredible. Fox News picks up on this and says, what was the center of pain for not only for America, but for so many in other nations, has now become a center for healing and breakthrough and love and reconciliation. And you know what? 
as, as on my way home, I started looking in the, the, the comment sections. See, if you ever find yourself in national news, never look at the comment section. But I was a rookie, okay, and I, I made that mistake. <laughs> and I read the comment section, and they're like, look at this fool, Chris, this idiot, Chris, <laughs> he's tone deaf. He doesn't understand the actual issues facing our community. Saying that the gospel and a return to scripture could actually solve our problems. He doesn't understand what's actually going on. And this starts to hurt me. You know, I'm on the plane. I'm coming home. My, my heart's a little broken, a little hurt. Like, did I, oh, no, I met, did I miss it? Am I tone deaf? Do I not really understand the issues and what's going on? I'm too wrapped up in my, my, own, my own world. And then I just feel comforted by the Holy Spirit as the Holy Spirit kind of corrects me. It says, Christoph, what else is proven throughout history to bring reformation in nations? What else? What else? Show me what else outside of revival back for the preaching of the simple gospel or return to the word of God that has brought reformation or what we would call transformation into nations. And I started to, it's like the, 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 the Lord has receipts. He's got proof throughout human history. You look at the nation of South Korea, right? Not that long ago. Like, you know, 70 years ago, they had the GDP of the nation of Burundi. Only, you know, you know a handful of dozen of, of driver's license within the entire nation. People have gone their entire lives without ever eating meat. I have my friends' parents who grew up, you know, up until the time that they were in their late teens. They had never eaten meat because it was so rare. But had a revival through prayer and through coming back to the preaching of the simple gospel... That brought a transformation, a reformation to the nation of South Korea. That then they became the second largest mission sending nation in the world. With man it is impossible. With God all things are possible. Time and time again. You look at Geneva. You look at Norway. Jesus. But I believe for reformation and transformation to take place in our country, it first has to start with personal revival. Amen. And even as we're, we're contending for, for corporate revival, corporate revival starts with individual revival. You see... Just like the two in our passage, there is a burning that returns, a fire, a passion that was ignited within them. Did our hearts not burn within us as he spoke to us along the road and explained the scriptures to us in the midst of their disappointment? In the midst of the darkest hour, in the midst of what they thought was being purely abandoned, when everything had fallen apart, the Lord was able to come and light a flame. 
Even though he was hidden, they didn't even know who he was. The flame is already getting kindled. It's already getting sparked as he is explaining the truth. The scriptures of what? Of the Messiah who had to suffer and die before entering his glory. You see, we love the Bible. We love the Bible. But we love the Bible not just for the book in itself, but because we love the man who the book reveals. Did our hearts not burn within us? God, burn in us the revival fire of passion and love for you, God, like never before. God, burn in our hearts, God. It's not just a, a, a thing that we're hoping for to grow our church anymore. This is life or death for our nation and for our kids. God, we need that fire to burn in us once again. You see, this is what zeal even means in the Greek, right? Zeo, it means to, to burn or to boil over. And Leviticus 6.13 says, let the fire on the altar never go out. You know, it was crazy when I first came and I, and I encountered Holy Spirit and I was coming to church and I was like burning for the Lord. And I had, and, and, and I had understood this Messiah who suffered and died and, and who took my place and, and set me free from that sickness and the slavery in my life. I was renewed and I'm, and I'm burning for, for the Lord. And I remember, you know, well-meaning people in the church, they would kind of look at me and they'd kind of be like, oh, that's so cute that you're on fire, you know. <laughs> oh, that's so cute that you're burning for the Lord. Oh. And, and almost, I, I don't know, maybe sometimes physically, but it was like, they literally just kind of pat me on my head and be like, aw. And I remember a couple times people would even say like, you know what, you know what? And, and they're well-meaning. Okay, they're well-meaning. But, but again, I, I don't want my reality to be dictated on someone else's experience or lack of experience. And they would kind of say to me, you know what, you're on fire now, but, but don't worry. You're going to mature and your flame will, won't, won't you know, it'll, it'll get small. It'll be a small little flame. But it'll be steady. It'll be steady. It'll be mature. And I'm like, Lord Jesus, take me now, God, please. Just take me now. I've tasted of the fire of your love. I've tasted the fire of what it means to burn for you. Where I'm consumed by you. Better than any drug I ever tasted. But in every liquor I ever drank, whoo, this is the real thing that I've been searching for my whole life. This is the meaning of life. And I can't go back. I can't go back. I've tasted of the fire of your love. And literally, I would kind of look around, you know, and I was like, oh, no, is today going to be the day the fire goes down? The fire leaves me, Lord. No, Jesus, I want to die now. Take me to heaven, God. And I kind of be looking at some people in the church, they kind of like yawning and looking at their watch, you know. I'd be at the front row just like with my banner, big banner, taking Pastor Dino notes, you know what I mean? Like three Ps, okay, all right, what are our three Ps <laughs> for today? Why? Because, whew. Mm. In the natural, when you don't eat, you become hungry. But in the spirit, the more you eat of the word, the hungrier you get. So I'm looking around. I was like, oh, Lord. And I remember I was, I was it was an actual factor that I was concerned. Is today going to be the day? 
I lose my fire. Until one day I was outside. I was outside of work downtown Brantford. And I come out on break. I had a little pocket Bible that I kept with me. I opened it up randomly and it came to Proverbs 4.18. It says, the path of the just is like the shining sun that shines brighter and brighter into the perfect day. Yeah, I was like somebody whose eyes were suddenly opened. And recognize it. And I was running around like a crazy person, like someone who just won the lottery. I was like, it gets brighter and brighter. It gets brighter and brighter. Walking up with the strangers on the street, like, it gets brighter and brighter. It doesn't have to die. It doesn't have to die. The fire gets brighter and brighter. They're like, okay, it gets brighter and brighter. Like, it gets brighter and brighter. And of course, we're going to go through trials. Of course, we're going to go through hard times. That's the promise of following the real Jesus. We're going to be persecuted. There's going to be things that come against us. But every time I come out on the other side, it gets brighter and brighter than it was before. And I can tell you right now, and look you in the eyes, and I can tell you that after 20 years of walking with Jesus, that it gets brighter and it gets brighter. Let the fire on our altar, God, never go out. Lord, let the fire on our altar never go out. But here's the thing, family. Fire needs substance to burn. I need a touch. I need a fresh touch of the Holy Spirit. I need a fresh baptism of the Holy Spirit. I never want to get used to seeing miracles. I never want to get desensitized to seeing the breakthrough of someone getting rescued. This is my prayer, God, let me never lose my wonder. But it comes through the substance of a return to the word of God. Zeal without knowledge is a boat on dry land. Because this truth will sustain us when everything's shaking around us. Jesus, we need you for our nation, God. We need reformation. We need reformation in our nation in this hour, God, we pray. But God, let it start with revival in me. God, cause my heart to burn for you like never before. You see, when Jesus is walking with them about truth and and josh and the team if you could just come up as we close where does it start where does revival and reformation start we see it here with with jesus in luke 24 what is the truth that he's contending for what is the truth that jesus is going after in this passage in this discussion in this two and a half maybe five hour journey with Jesus' fresh resurrection out of death on early Sunday morning. What is the truth that Jesus is going after here in this moment? Well, we know he's explaining why the Messiah had to suffer and die before entering his glory. This is the doorway. This is the entrance into all of it. You see... He's never stopping pouring out. He's never stopping or, or diminishing the outpouring of the Holy Spirit since that moment of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. The Holy Spirit is always pouring out. And it's not a little spray bottle, a little mist. 
I believe that there is an infinite outpouring that we can't even begin to imagine. But I believe what Jesus is going after here is saying, listen, sometimes there's things that block my love with you. That's what revival is. It's just hosting the presence of the living God, burning for him. You see, in the same way that birds have hollow bones so they can fly and fish have gills so they can breathe underwater, you and I were created to host the presence of the living God. This is what we are created for. So to understand that no matter what might be in my way, no matter what might be hindering love, he took it on the cross. No matter what disappointment, no matter what hidden sin, he took it on the cross. This is what the truth that Jesus is emphasizing here. So I believe there's a, three things that the Lord would have for us on this Canada Day. Revival unto reformation. Personal revival unto national reformation. That it starts here. We're saying, Jesus, Lord, would you come and search my heart? Would you see if there's any wicked way within me? Lord, I believe that your emphasis here in this passage of emphasizing, of, of showing us, God, the doorway into the very thing that we've been crying out for, Lord, is so simple, but maybe we passed it by. And maybe we've gotten caught in into political discussions. And we spend more time looking at the news than we do looking at the Word of God. We spend more time arguing with our neighbor than we do sharing with them the good news of the love of God expressed on the cross. God, we repent. Lord, I, I'm, I'm sorry, Jesus. I need you now. I need to come back to my first love. God, would you come and remove anything that would hinder love? So church, if we could go ahead and stand up. I believe there's three things the Lord would have for us today. We need a breakthrough, God. I can't go through the motions anymore. I can't go through the motions anymore. So the first invitation is for anyone here where you might feel like, man, there's, there's a, a mask that I wear in front of my Christian friends and the church, my, my, my church people. But there's another face that I have. 
that I don't want them to see, almost like two lives. And I feel stuck as a slave to these things that are hindering my relationship with Jesus. And I want to tell you there's good news this morning. There's good news that the Messiah, our King, our Jesus, He died on the cross. He who knew no sin became sin so you might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. There's an exchange that's taken place for you. You don't have to live in that anymore. And that's, that's all that he's going after. He's saying, listen, you don't have to wear the mask anymore. But there's an invitation for you. There's an invitation for freedom. That those, those slave masters don't have to hold you captive anymore. And it doesn't matter. Listen, there's no judgment in this house. It doesn't matter if you've been in this church for 30 years or this is your first, your first time ever. We just want to see you get free. We just want to see you get free. Jesus. Jesus. If that's you, we would love to pray with you. It's freedom time this morning. It's freedom time this morning. It's freedom time this morning. These things cannot hold you back. Come on, if that's you, just come on to the front. Come on to the front right now. We want to pray for you. Jesus. 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 Yes, church, just begin to say his name. Jesus. authority right now over pride that might try to keep us in slavery that might try to keep us hidden in bondage Jesus we just ask right now we declare and decree right now a freedom from slavery in the name of Jesus a freedom from slavery in Jesus if you know that you need the breakthrough you're sick of living that life of torment it's like torture and don't get it wrong listen I don't even care if you're if you serve in the ministry here if you're on a ministry team, you have a leadership role. Now is your time of freedom. Now is your time of breakthrough. And maybe you've gotten so used to this thing, you say, there's no way I could ever get set free. I'm so used to living with it. That's a lie from the pit of hell. The truth of the Word of God says that He suffered so you don't have to suffer anymore. Jesus, yes, come on to the front. Come on to the front. Is there anyone else? I could feel it right now. There's a wrestle in the spirit. There's a wrestle. Come on, brother. Yes, come on up. Come on up. There's a wrestle. We break pride right now in the name of Jesus. We break off pride right now in the name of Jesus. No more faking. I can't fake it anymore. I can't do this anymore. I can't just wear this mask anymore. Come on up. Come on up. Now is the time. There's zero judgment. Don't look at the person at the right or the left. Don't care what they're going to think. This is between you and Jesus. So, There's more. There's more. 
There's more right now. There's zero judgment. We just want to see you get free. Jesus, I feel like there might be even someone and it came through disappointment. It came through a disillusionment that you had with the church or you had with Jesus. And this thing crept in and became kind of the thing that comforted you in the night. But I hear chains breaking off. I hear chains breaking right now all over this room. I hear chains breaking. I hear chains breaking. Come on, I hear chains falling off. Come on, freedom, 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 freedom time, freedom time. Yes, God. Freedom, freedom. It starts with us. It starts in our house, God. It starts in our hearts. Team, if you could come up, if we have a prayer team, Pastor Nadia, Ron, if you could come and begin to pray, here's the thing. And there's others, I know you're wrestling right now. I pray right now, I break off any cowardice off of you right now in the name of Jesus. Come on, I break off the spirit of cowardice right now in the name of Jesus. Freedom time. Freedom time. Bravery right now. Bravery right now to quicken in your spirit. Bravery right now. It starts with me. I'm not looking to my right or to my left. It starts with me. Board members, if you want to come and pray. Board members, our prayer team, come and pray. Yes. And even if you are a board member, you need to get set free. Hey, now's your time too. There's zero judgment in this house. This is the thing. It says confess your sins to God and you will be forgiven confess your sins to one another and you will be healed so I believe this thing that's kind of bound you and it feels cyclical like a cycle I want you to, to confess with whoever you're praying with women with women guys with guys and just confess to whoever's praying with you what you're getting set free from and it's standing on the truth of the word of God not only will you be forgiven but I believe you will be delivered and healed from that very thing that's bound you in Jesus name freedom time Jesus, freedom, 